<laughs> well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Miners weekly podcast. This is our brand spanking new podcast. Yeah, Everybody. brand new. It is brand new. I'm Matt Keeble, and <laughs> beside me is my co-host, Leslie Soaks. Say hi, hi Leslie. <laughs> hey, hi, <everyone>. Leslie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, getting started here. Uh, we're going to be doing this weekly, and we're covering a variety of topics. Um, just looking at some of the headlines, we're going to do a, a Twitter section. You're going to have to bear with us, because this is... Sort of brand new. Brand, brand new. <laughs> we're kind of orchestrating it on the fly. So uh, this is our first one. So I, I imagine it's going to be a little touch and go here. But we'll we'll keep we'll keep keep things together. Um. So yeah. I mean, it's it's not a bad time to be starting this. We've seen gold pop quite a bit recently. Things yeah. are are moving along pretty well. So what have uh, what have you been? Uh, what what interviews have come across your platter this uh, this week? Uh, well, you know, we've been really busy with the American special edition That's in right. the paper that just came out yeah. in the paper. And um, I think one of the most interesting things for me this week working on was the Northern Dynasty. Ah, uh, Pebble, yes, yes. Yeah, because, right. yeah. you know, and it was just really, I, I caught Ron Thiessen's talk at the Vancouver Investment Resource Conference. Uh, Cambridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah at Cambridge House here in Vancouver in January. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of giving a little bit of a spiel on, on how they are on the cusp of a resolution. They might be seeing things moving along there um, this year. And I started to kind of investigate the story, and I thought it was really interesting about, um, A, well, the, the, the sheer size of Pebble is, like, Oh, yeah. Pebble, enormous. Like, from a pure economic geology perspective, it's a fantastic looking deposit. It's always just been a fish issue. Yeah, well, I know, because they've got, like, you know, 57 billion pounds of copper up there, Mm. 70 million ounces of gold, and measured and indicated. Like, this thing is a giant. And it happens to be located at the headwaters of Bristol Bay, which is the home of the world's largest salmon fishery. I do do love salmon. You do love salmon, yeah. Yeah, we're from Vancouver. It's delicious. And look, I'm a Newfoundlander, so I mean, um, I remember what it's like in the Codmatorium and what, what, what bit of an impact that can have on a culture yeah. and a society that depends itself on the fisheries. Um, but that was, of course, a long time ago, and a lot of things have changed since then. And so the problem that Northern Dynasty has been having is, um, you know, that they put four years and $150 million into their environmental investigations just to kind of start the permitting process, but then all of a sudden the EPA turned around and vetoed it with a Clean Water Act Section 404C, which prevents any development on it. And so I had investigated, and I was looking at both reports, and I thought it was really interesting what was coming out of there. And um, the article is just, like, I'm, I'm really happy with how it came out. There's still a lot more story to be told, and I'm just going to be looking forward to following that as it comes out. Well, yeah, my my familiarity with Pebbles probably, well, a f- a 18 months old, I'd say, was the last time I took a really good look at it. Just, I guess that's when the, it sort of got essentially shut down at some point, right? Yeah. Um, but from what I understood, um, it was, you know, there was a lot of, uh, what do we want to call them, environmental activist groups kind of up there. Like there's a lot of money <clears throat> being put into uh, countering the idea of a, of a development in Bristol, or yeah. is, is, is that is that still accurate there? Because I, I know that um, Minister Bill Bennett's also spoken about uh, the Alaskan interests trying to get involved in BC permitting. If you yeah, ever, if you've heard that, I remember they've, that. They've kind of sort of insinuated. I don't know if insinuate is the right word because I think it's been a bit more of a p- 
powerful statement than uh, insinuation, but that they should uh, have an active hand in permitting BC projects the, on the Alaskan side. Yeah. Which, that sounds outright ludicrous to me, but you, know, you never know. So, I mean, from Pebble's point of view, I'd always understood that, I don't know, it might, it might take a bit of a regime change down in the U.S. for it to really be from a permit standpoint, get any forward traction. I'm not going to say shut down forever, but I mean, with, with the way the Obama administration has tackled yeah. pipelines and, and similar projects, it seems to me like, um, you know, it's more of a, a democratic regime or democrat regime issue than, than, you know, anything too much to do with, well, the EPA is obviously involved, but yeah. from, a, from a court proceedings point of view, right? There's there's a lot of weight being thrown around up there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's kind of an interesting Wild West showdown that's happening. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not really just the Obama administration, but it's, it's also, like you said, the activists up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look into the guts of the Northern Star, or the Northern Dynasty story, yeah. um, they really do have a bunch of legs to stand on in their case. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. And I, that was the yeah. really interesting thing I find. Well, yeah, that's because you spoke with Ron Thiessen, and then you also, who was the other Oh, guy? I was speaking to Tom Collier. Oh, okay, Tom Collier. Yeah, and uh, let's see now. So Tom is CEO of Pebble Limited Partnership, yeah. and he's also the former chief of staff okay. um, at the U.S. Department of the Interior mm-hmm. during the Clinton era. Yeah. And he was a really, really interesting guy. And, and if anything, if any of the people who are listening, if you want to find out um, some of some really in-depth covering of, of what the um, what Northern Dynasty's uh, position is on the subject, go into their website and go under EPA Bristol Bay Assessment. And then check out that EPA submissions dated September 19th, 2014. And Tom has his comments on there, and he's talking about why this Clean Water Act 404C should not apply to Northern Dynasty. And he made some really good points in there about it. And so, I don't know, I went, I went into the article thinking, you know, no, they, th- th- this isn't really, th- this surely can't fly, the EPA can't be overthrown. But then after going through all this material, I started thinking they, they have a serious chance of actually seeing this being resolved. And if it's, not, if it's not this year, then we're looking at it next year after a new administration in the U.S. So that could work in their favor, might not work in their favor, but I don't know. To me, it's it's kind of optimistic. So that's why I got my eyes on that game. Well, the other interesting thing that uh, I saw was was well, who was it? Frank Juicer took a piece of Northern Dynasty in what what uh, August of last year? Was it August? Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, they've got some some interesting uh, people behind it. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, Ross is in on it. He was talking about it at uh, yeah. Ross Beatty. Yeah. And yeah, then, oh, I noticed that again in your, in your uh, Ross Beatty investment piece. Yeah. You mentioned Pebble as well. Yeah, there was a lot of people talking about Pebble at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of really looking forward to seeing what's happening here. And, and I think, you know, like I said, they have a leg to stand on. They might be able to combat the EPA and have that overthrown and to yeah. do things right because at the end of the day, it's about the environmental process and it's about the environment being able to do it uh, within a scientific record that's that's correct and just and fair for everyone involved. Oh yeah, so that's that's a, that's I, the most important thing. Like What's, I said, I didn't really want to, you know, use it, you know, leave it for dead or anything. But I mean, I thought it might be shelved for, yeah, you know, the midterm anyway. So to hear that there's some forward momentum there, that's definitely really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
So yeah, that's, and then, check that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everyone, yeah, that's on our front page this week. So oh yeah, it is. There. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, my face is on there too. Yeah, that's so nice same with Trish. Glamour shot. Yeah, Trish is covering the gold standard. Trish is the, the best. Uh, gold Corp investment there. I mean, gold's gold's pretty. You know, it's seems to have some traction. About twelve hundred dollars an ounce, which is uh, well, let's say thawing up the somewhat frigid capital markets to a degree. So we've seen you know a variety of of uh, financings in the gold space, and also a few. Few uh, few results coming out. Barracks just came out, to, uh, I think, after market yesterday, and they posted free collateral. Uh, let's see, I can't. Uh, that's that's <laughs> okay. what post production is for, people. Um, <laughs> but uh, they posted uh, free cash flow for the first time in four years. Yeah. So Barracks yeah. stock in January was like ten eighty. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at it, and it's at what seventeen dollars today. Yeah. Yep, I mean, in just a few weeks. So, I mean, obviously, people, all, all these stocks are moving in the well, advent you, of the you rally. Know, a lot of, uh, I've seen a, a few charts recently where a lot of, um, oh, yeah. a lot of the gold stocks have done really well lately, especially on the production side. I mean, it hasn't too fully fallen down to the the junior exploration side yet, though. There is, you know, there's some activity on the buying side. I mean, you've had uh, the Cisco bands consolidations uh, yeah. back east and um, oh Barkerville's been moving up. Barkerville's Barkerville's moved up. jumped like twenty five cents. Yep, I saw an actual uptick really in happy. a silver stock today. Alexco, who I visited in the Yukon this past summer, oh. gained a bit of traction. Nice. Um, and they they have a bit of an advantage, obviously, because they have the mill on site, so they're a little bit further down the line and can kind of kickstart stuff. A little bit more quickly so they have a bit more leverage I, to you know leverage. i feel like that's what a lot of people are talking about these days you know mm -hmm. when it comes to the ge these genius pe people aren't just looking at the geology or the the drill intercepts anymore pe people are looking at management they're looking at infrastructure what's nearby yeah well it's it's <coughs> it's the timeline to production right i mean yeah because anytime anytime metal goes up especially you know well any metal but precious metal we see it a lot more and this was a big message uh during the last boom when gold went to 1800 bucks was trying to capture margins right um, metal yeah. margins so people who are uh, closer to the production line can capture those margins more quickly so they end up uh, what happened sorry you keep clicking oh because yeah. those probably picking it up it might be pick the mic might pick up uh, I sorry. apologize if you hear my clicking it's a nervous day <laughs> oh no no but, just, uh, just, yeah, just cut that whole thing out <laughs> yeah no no we'll leave it in for color for color um, <laughs> but uh, yeah so those uh, the companies closer to the line can can uh, can capture those margins more quickly and they'll see a little bit more more uptick before uh before the juniors uh the juniors see it but it should come for them eventually as we uh as we move ahead assuming gold does uh stabilize above that twelve hundred dollar range yeah, yeah and i mean the other thing that's interesting is is um you know we've heard a lot about uh dr copper as we call it you know? <laughs> um especially in lieu of the uh freeport sale of the morency stake yeah to a billion dollars and uh I get a lot of questions of like, well, what is that? Uh, what is that implied per pound copper value? Um, and I do have that here, funny enough. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so Sumitomo did in fact pay in excess of three dollars a pound. Wow, that's uh, a good an implied sign. copper value. So a lot of the copper guys are super stoked. I mean, that I always say, well, just wait, right? Because you know it, that's an implied value. Sumitomo is probably using a price deck that's you know, at least five years out. So, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they see $2.07 copper, $2.07 per pound now, but they're modeling that stake. And that's a gorgeous mine. I mean, long life mine, very nice grade. Oh, thing. for sure. Um, but that's, uh, interestingly enough, that's another, you know, I, I, I've looked at a few um, 
a few, uh, what do you call them, analyst reports on, on copper pricing and decks over the, over the last few, you know, over the forthcoming few years. And I mean, uh, the International Copy, Copper Study Group uh, says 2016 there'll be a copper deficit, which I find a little 2016. bit... 2016? Yeah, this year. That's a, but oh. they, they do say that that's pursuant to like a, a continuing 4% demand out of China, so... And then the with all that, the production cuts, yeah, Glencore, but, Freeport. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the, the, I don't think those are those have been mat- material yet. No. The funny no. thing is, a lot of um, a lot of sort of uh, what would you call them? I, I don't want to call them marginal assets, but at this copper price, they legitimately are marginal assets. True. I mean, there, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a problem with with um, a lot of the a lot of the major mines in the world at two dollars copper. I mean, a lot of them need upwards of you know closer to three to really be. Unless, um, of course, they have some precious metal. Yeah. The, oh, no, no, no. That could, yeah, that's a big help. I mean, anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at mm, a lot of mines with some good gold credits can, can be uh, humming along in these markets. But, I mean, one of the things that I've been reading interestingly in terms of copper is that, um, and I think it was this head of Rio that said this recently, um, was that up till this point, a lot of the copper assets that have been for sale. And, and I've heard, like, I think it was a Bloomberg report or something similar on um, Rio is looking to get more copper. Like down the road, they'd like to be a heavier copper producer because you mm-hmm. look at, in terms of ratios, like they don't have nearly as much copper production as like some of the other big diversified miners. Rio is one of the companies that has less exposure to, to the red metal. Mm-hmm. So they're actually looking to pick up assets. But what he said, I think it was a Bloomberg interview, and what he said was not a lot of tier one assets have hit the market yet. Like the stuff that's for sale is for sale for a reason because either it's old and in, they're into lower grade or or it's not really profitable at these prices so he said what he foresees coming and that gets back to your point on mine closures too because i think there's a lot of mines that maybe shouldn't be running at these prices that are still running but he said now say a company like freeport mm-hmm. who's really looking to cut debt the next year or this year might be looking at you know they did monetize Marenzi. So now they might look at other actual tier one assets. And in that situation, somebody like Rio Tinto might be a pretty good suitor for some Freeport stuff if they do decide to go down that road. And I mean, that's like, like we talked about Barrick. Like, I mean, a lot of these companies are, I, I think I read this, this term on Twitter, taking a chainsaw to the balance sheet and like, just like oh, yeah. literally cutting to the bone to the point where it's like core assets and all that stuff. So it's, yeah, so it's interesting, but I mean, yeah, so. So Sumitomo did pay above $3 a pound, so that's nice. At least we know that somebody thinks in the moderately foreseeable future that copper will be back up at $3 a pound again. Now, interestingly, we were talking about the U.S. special, and that was, that was a fun one. Um, and one of the things that I was looking at was actually that. You, you've probably undoubtedly heard of this lithium boom. It's yeah, it's every single in, day we're looking at the clay, news before yeah, we before yeah. we start our job every single day at the Northern Miner. Mm-hmm. We always check out the press releases. Yeah. And it's just over the past what like a month every single day lithium, lithium, lithium. It's like a little bit of a a burst going on, but I mean is it is it a bubble mat? What do you think? <laughs> this is like I had interviews. Is it on, graphite? <laughs> I, I had interviews on this. And, yeah. and the funniest that's funny because like that was like my first question. <laughs> So you remember graphite and <laughs> rare earths and to an extent lithium in 2009? Right. And so I talked to a lot of guys and one of the guys I talked to is Simon Moores and he's uh, with Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. 
And Simon's really cool. I think he used to be with Industrial Minerals Magazine. I think that's what it's called. Forgive me, Simon, if that is incorrect. Um, <laughs> but uh, he runs sort of the, they track contract pricing on like industrial metals. So like there's not really a index that tracks lithium or graphite or anything, right? It's basically on a contract to contract basis. Right. So it's kind of hard to keep track of unless you're right there in the business. So he formed this uh, little um, consulting firm or analytical firm out of London, and they track it. And interestingly enough, uh, there does seem to be some legs to lithium from a supply demand. Really? Yeah, from a supply demand. I mean, from what I've researched and been told. I mean, forward looks to Well, Tesla um, Tesla has been going crazy with making all these really uh, interesting deals where... Oh, I, there was all these guys I talked to, and I talked to a few um, um, guys who companies and, and CEOs who've been in in the business for a while yeah because like, there was a what i'm now calling a pre-pre-lithium boom in 2009 around where lithium carbonate prices went pretty high like okay. not not to the point they are now because just so we have a point of reference for this discussion so um according to simon at benchmark uh lithium carbonate prices last year early in the year were about 5500 bucks a ton okay so contracts now are ranging between 9,000 to 13,000 a ton so that's you know fundamentally material right mm -hmm. and he said you know it's a it's it's the thing that's important to note is that lithium is one of these things that's actually booming so graphite when graphite was booming what was this shoot i'm dating myself here 2012 i guess early 2013 was kind of the graphite boom everything was kind of going crazy at that time right like they, the commodities markets in general because china had really kind of driven us off the you know 2008 floor to a degree um with with <laughs> Apparent double-digit growth. Anyway, um, so but but when graphite boom and all these booms are happening, everything is booming: gold, copper, everything. Lithium right now is actually one of the few uh, minerals that's actually performing particularly well. So he says that he says it's it's obviously not a a factor of a, a commodity-wide surge, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's it's actually performing countercyclically to a lot of other commodities. So it's a fundamental shift in the. The demand supply dynamic for lithium-ion batteries, um, and interestingly enough, I mean, um, I've talked to a few guys. Like I said, I talked to um, a few guys from different companies. I mean, we talked to Pure Energy um, and a few of the other companies who've actually been down there since '09. I just talked to Western Lithium today, uh, Jay at Western Lithium today, actually, and a lot of these guys have been down working on this stuff for five six seven years and they were like you know like it's, it's it's a really hot commodity right now but it if you had looked at the supply to fun, uh demand fundamentals back in 2009 and you had followed them through 2015 you would have known that there was sort of this you know uh deficit in units on the horizon like there was going to be a need based on the growth of renewable energies, lithium-ion batteries, yeah. and, you know, and all that stuff. And, and, and Simon, <laughs> Simon, it was funny because I, I always poke fun at graphite because it was such a huge deal. And, and, <laughs> and it's still, he says, you know, you shouldn't laugh at graphite because it's still going to come. It's just, it, it's lagging lithium. I just love sometimes right? the unwavering optimism yeah. um, that, that everyone in this industry has. So apparently these, these graphite things are going to come back. So hey, okay, great. Hey, hey everybody, <laughs> everybody, watch watch your graphite stuff because and I mean there's some good, there's some good there's some good projects. I mean I I visited Energizer Resources in Madagascar back in the day. Oh, you did. I I, I wasn't around, but I so, heard hey, about that. There's there's and they're they're still trucking along. Um, I think Craig Sherb is now their president and CEO. Hi, Craig. Uh, it's been a while. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so so, so lithium, lithium is is. But the the other point happened. all these guys made, Simon made, um, Robert Mintak made for Cure Energy, um, was that uh, just be careful with the obviously the the exploration side of it because the the way they phrased it, it's it's not so much an explorer's game as it is a, a you know it's more of an engineering game where you have to have the right deposit, the right partners, the right metallurgy, and you have to like pretty much you know, have everything sort of put together of, you know, whether it be a brine or whether it be Western Lithium's Kings Valley is actually a clay-hosed lithium deposit, which will be the first ever <coughs> clay-hosed lithium deposit to go into production in the world. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 its end product is still brine. So, but interesting, well, yeah, so, you know, so I can't throw lithium under the bus. So ever. check this out. Like, yeah. so you're, we're here having a gab and I'm just checking out des- Tesla's yeah. uh, stock price and yeah. their movement. Over the past like uh, five years or so, yeah. but yeah, 2013, Tesla is sitting there below 50 bucks, and then sometime probably in May, it looks like it just started to jack up, and now it's up to, you know, it almost touched around 275 dollars. Now it's sitting down at 166, so kind of uh, falls right in line with the, a little bit of a. Now I will. I will full disclosure. <laughs> I, I I am I am not someone to talk about renewable energies or oh right or like I'll talk about renewable e- energies Elon Muskinisms or whatever you want to call them I, I I you know I to a degree follow them as far as they relate to generally our industry but I I'm not a I'm not a big tech buff in 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 terms of why Tesla stuff. They had some problems with their cars or something or sales, didn't they? I think they had bad sales figures. Anyway, your, our listeners can can uh, correct me here or tweet me. And that's another thing. We will be taking questions by Twitter. If oh, you, yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you have... Or send uh, us an email. Yeah, or you could send us an email. Um, yeah, that's right. Twitter's preferable because we're all new and digital. Yeah. So <laughs> you can find me... Brand new. At brand new. And, and, and we Watch are out. cutting edge at the Northern <laughs> Minor. Um... Cutting so tables. you can find me at Matthew Keeble. Uh, so that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W. And the last name is K-E-E. V is in Victor I-L. And Leslie is? Northern Geo. At Northern Geo. At Northern Geo. That's it. Just as it sounds. So if you would like to hear us talk about anything specific, if you have a company you have questions about, a commodity, an article, please feel free to tweet us questions. We are going to be recording, I believe, every Thursday. Every Thursday. And yeah. we will be running on Mondays. So, yeah. and I think I think everything will evolve in time as well. Right, right yes. now we we just been sitting back having a gab going through the paper. Yes, which yeah. is fun. I like that. I do. Yeah, and then also, uh, you probably heard our really like slap dash. Uh, theme song at the beginning of this that I'm putting in in post production, so that's oh, just like a placeholder. Oh, I haven't heard that. You haven't heard it yet. You can you, can you give us a little like? Do, 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 do. No. <laughs> okay. And that's not. How I like it. it. That's Sounds not good. How it goes. We'll have a little synth in there. It'll be sweet. <laughs> um, but uh, it, so uh, we are actually looking for a theme song. If anybody, yes. If, any, if there's musical talents, we we will probably not be paying you anything. I will I will disclose that. But we will we will give everyone full credit. Full credit. Full credit. And I'm I'm asking some of my friends still on it. Yeah. So yep. a little bit of percussion maybe. Yep, a little percussion. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna get really creative. Look at us. I always like timpani drums. If you know anyone who plays the timpani drums. So oh. Is that even what those things are called? What about a sitar? Should we have a sitar? <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. I wonder what John would say about that. About a sitar? Yeah. Hey John. Hey John. Um, Hi John. <laughs> so yeah. So the other thing, yeah. So if you do want to tweet us anything, please do. Um, we will be taking questions, and we'll try to fit everybody in, and we'll give everybody uh, 
do credit. Also, if I talk to anybody and we cite anything and it's you who said it, just get back to me. Let me know. We talk to a lot of people, so sometimes facts will just pop off and we won't uh, we won't remember exactly who told us stuff. So mm-hmm. please just tweet us and and uh, reach out with your digital hands. <laughs> um, that sounded that sounded bad. <laughs> Um, so the, the other thing that came out today was EY, your favorite EY, um, just published their sort of mergers and acquisitions report. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they did. Um, just a few few stats that we can talk about. Uh, I mean, gold was, was clearly the most popular as far as, and I, we could sort of see that coming. I mean, most of the deals have been... Have been gold related, be it. Um, Has there, had, did, did they mention what specific country people seem yeah, to Yeah, they did actually. Uh, 60, well, roughly. They said 60%. The, this is just sort of like an infographic I have, so so bear with me. Cool, I love infographics. Uh, I know, it's really cool. So easy. Um, so 67% uh, of MA um, by value targeted developed countries. So so people are sort of Moving. Flight, fleeing to low risk sort of uh, jurisdictions. Um, and there was uh, forty billion worth of deals. Wow! Which is way down. That's that's three hundred fifty eight deals completed. Thirty four percent down from twenty fourteen. That's twenty fourteen though. Twenty mm. fifteen, everything's so uncertain. People aren't really sure. Maybe yeah. they'd want to hang on to their jobs. Maybe they're just like not really sure if our companies would be a good fit. Everyone's just waiting. So maybe we'll see those numbers jack up. We could. Well, I mean, we could. I mean, 17. especially in terms of, I think. Well, like I said, we discussed in the copper segment. I mean, there, there, something's going to give in copper if if uh, copper stays around two bucks a pound. Yeah, like, they, like there's there's no question that uh, survival. Sur- well, yeah, Everyone survival goes into survival fist. mode. I mean, that's uh, that's true. And and, and I take the I, you head know, out of the few, sand. And a few interesting uh, earnings coming out this week in terms of copper. I just just caught the capstone. Um, yeah, I capstone uh, earnings call. And they're very much, uh, people are, you know, they have balance sheet questions because they bought Pinot Valley essentially at the top of the market and, you know, a $2 copper, everybody's kind of squeezed. But they, they were talking about, um, you know, they, um, Darren Pilot there from, from uh, Capstone was saying that they're already renegotiating protect debt? Debt, debt covenants this quarter, maybe a little bit further in them. Um, and they could look at asset sales or partnerships or something down the road. And also, I believe the silver stream they have at Cozumel with Silver Weed expires in May 2017. So I think there's some optionality coming up in terms of silver streaming for them as well. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's there's lots of things people can do, but that just sort of underlines what we're talking about where, where you know, something's going to give in copper for sure. Mm-hmm. Whether it be any, you know, if you look at Freeport's debt targets and all sorts of stuff, like they've already moved a little bit, but they could move more. They're spending essentially no money on their energy division anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where they're looking at, I know you, you, you're you a Freeport investor. I, yeah, okay, yeah, full disclosure, right? Full disclosure. I, I actually bought some yeah. of my first stocks. In, oh, first stock buying. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. I'm a geologist, so yeah. I, I've been the one out there hammering at the rock and yeah. just focused on yeah. that. And then all of a sudden I get into this wonderful world of, of reporting and keeping on top of all this. And I yeah. thought, my God, in January... You know, I just started seeing all these like cheap, cheap stocks, and, and yeah. I, I jumped in. So I, I, I 
did definitely go into the deep end with uh, with Freeport, and right now it's been paying off. So I'm just yeah, they, hey, they on got, the sidelines cheering them on. You, you know, you, you timed that exceptionally well. I, mean, I they, timed they got, it so well. They got a very good. I called bottom on, January on, 11th on the Marenzi uh, stake. So everyone loved Marenzi. Everyone loved that deal. Everyone loved it. I so saw they, it. It they just jumped it. up immediately, so. and I thought, good, they're they're doing something. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, the other thing you were talking about the other day was the Chicolton stuff. With, yes. Uh, Gavin from AMEBC. Yes. And I found that interesting. There's, there's, there's been a bit of coverage on it. I mean, we're we're all fairly familiar with the with the Supreme Court case at this point, and how it might affect, well, land access, mineral tenor, etc. Um, but uh, AMABC came out, I believe it was yesterday, with a fairly strongly worded uh, press release in terms. Well, of they didn't. They didn't really want. Obviously, it's not strongly worded <laughs> well, in a way. Yeah. But you know, uh, I was talking to for them. It's strongly. Yes, yeah, yeah. He gave he gave uh, me a call after, and we were having a chat about it. And the one thing that uh, Gavin was really pushing when, when we were chatting was that they were all really surprised over there yeah. about um, this decision to go ahead with this accord um, mm-hmm. to, to put that negotiation on the table. Because I mean, we're talking about sixty six thousand square kilometers of um, of land within central BC that that's that could be tied up here, and, and that's going to have a massive impact on exploration dollars and spending within the province. And here's what Gavin basically had to say about that. Oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's run that audio. We were looking for some, um, you know, some certainty and some messaging to that effect on the, you know, the mineral tenures in that area as well. And, uh, and we don't have that. That's why we're coming out with this, um, this release today. And, you know, if you look at the map on, on the back, you'll see that, it, it's um, it's a vast area, but I mean it goes it includes it's well up into um, you know Williams Lake and Quinnell, mm-hmm. well north into just south of Vanderhoof, and then all the way down s- south to um, you know the the Braylorn area. So projects like you that you've heard about like Blackwater and Gibraltar Mine and the New Prosperity Project, um, Braylorn like I just mentioned, or the um, you know that really promising Ike project. I mean they're all captured in this in this area. And we estimate about um, 7,850 square kilometers are already under mineral tenure or plaster title. Oh, wow. And, uh, and much, much more, of course, is potentially uh, stakeable or, you know, where one could uh, acquire mineral tenure under the, you know, the current uh, system and laws. Okay. Well, that was interesting. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. uh, it's it's kind of surprising and it's disappointing. And like he said, he was he was just really disappointed that um, Amy BC didn't hear about this decision to go ahead, mm-hmm. and especially because there are such the front runners for our industry to create and bridge these um, Aboriginal engagement uh, relationships. And so, you know, we just had Roundup here. They did a wonderful job at the gathering place. Nobody I, mentioned it at all. Eh? Nobody mentioned it at all to them. And so they, they were surprised. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. And, and it really it really does impact the confidence of, of mineral investment here in BC. So AMABC right now is like they're they're they've laid it on the table saying that they want to actually come to the um, to the roundtable and start to negotiate and create a, a plan that suits all parties. Uh, they definitely want to be a part of it. So I, I, I don't know. I, that's a government move for me. It's like <clears throat> surprise, we have an agreement. Don't read it though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like TPP. It's like has anyone really looked at the Trans-Pacific Partnership? I have. It's okay. <laughs> like we can, this is sort of out of our purview here, but but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it's it's just a government thing. It's like oh we have this big like 
everybody get together and we'll talk about everything and then right after it'll be like, surprise we did all this stuff and didn't consult, yeah. consult with anybody it's like oh good work well done, well done. <laughs> um, um, oh. yeah but so we'll keep our eyes on that i guess you'll have a article. yeah um, I, it's, it's not out in the paper this week okay. um i was just talking to gavin there yesterday so okay. i'll be working on that and it should be out next week or Perfect. and uh while we're on the topic of the paper i'd just like to uh, quickly wish uh, happy 125 year yeah. anniversary to, uh, I saw to Hecla that. Mining. What a great layout. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's on the back of the paper. Established in 1881. So so we will have a uh, a nice little um, nice little uh, magazine coming out with uh, with a Hecla focus. We'll be doing a few interviews, so keep your eyes open for that. Cool. Um, and yeah, so that was, uh, and also while we're on, we'll call this the read, the advertising read section. Um, <laughs> if, if you guys want any more in-depth uh in-depth looks in any of these stories or anything, please do subscribe. Um, you can uh, hop on our website, hit the uh, fancy subscribe button there, and it's uh, the, I believe the executive is, is just just over $200. It's very, very reasonable. Uh, it's you, very reasonable. Yep, and you, you get uh, access yeah. to the paper, the digital edition, and also our Minds Handbook, which is a cool little... I like um, that handbook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it breaks down everything from geology, geophysics, I mean, yep. and mining now, methods. Without further ado, it is the Twitter section because we are digital, and you'll probably hear little birds. <laughs> it's like we're walking in the forest. There's like an intro. Song it's like a Mary Poppins or something. Intro song for this. Yeah. So I did collect a few tweets that came across uh, came across my monitor this morning that I thought were were kind of interesting. One of the big things everyone's talking about is the new Argentinian government because they're yeah. pro resources, pro resources. Um, so one of the uh, well now now they are yeah yeah, yeah exactly. One of the one of the tweets that came across recently from our friends over there at uh, InfoMineMining.com, um, the new president. Uh, oh my gosh! I hope I don't butcher this. Uh, Mauricio Macri. <laughs> uh, Sounds like you got it. I think I think that's pretty good. Hmm. Uh, revoked a five percent tax imposed by uh, the previous administration on mining and energy. So that came across my Twitter. That was it's good news for all those in Argentina. I talked to U three hundred eight Corp about their uranium project. Uh, Western lithium as a Brian Lithium Project down there, so everybody w- was pretty good. And all I've heard from the uh, Canadian mining guys so far is that uh, the new Argentinian government's sending all the right messages. So good, they've done some good stuff. Um, uh, then Bloomberg, we got a few dark tweets here. Bloomberg's always my go-to for like depressing statistics. Um, so uh, oil may have plunged forty-nine percent in five years, but mining is faring worse. Oh. We're doing worse than oil. Oh, I didn't think anybody was doing worse than oil. That's terrible. Tweet. <laughs> oh no. That's terrible. But next, next. Everything's <laughs> up a little bit. I was like reading it. It's like everything's up a little bit. Like <laughs> I don't like it. It's so funny because gold's up because the U.S. economy isn't as good as everyone thought. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like everything's kind of up because you know, and then they think maybe there might be some stimulus measures in Europe. Uh, the EU's been talking about stimulus and. Now everyone thinks Yellen and uh, f- all the bags of fun at the Federal Reserve there probably aren't going to raise interest rates for the rest of the year because the U.S. economy is not looking We're quite so We're going to negative well. interest rates, apparently. But I think oil was up a bit today. And everyone's like, a lot of the economists I, I talk to are, are firmly entrenched in the oil has to lead the way for a wider commodity mm-hmm. market recovery. So we'll keep our eye on that. Um, the other thing, I, I actually speaking on general macro stuff, uh, I caught Martin Murnbleed, who is the Dundee economist at at Roundup, and he was he, he gave a funny talk 
the pretty much the basis of which was the U.S. economy is not that good. The dollar is overvalued by about forty percent. So for the remainder of the year, it was like one of those. I wouldn't call it a gold bug talk, but it was a pro gold talk. Um, and and uh, he was saying that yeah, the, the the fact that the U.S. dollar is overvalued will inherently lead to the disappointing economic performances throughout the year, and that that will prevent the Fed from raising interest rates further, which is going to be good for gold. Which it's going to be great for we've gold. We've actually already seen. So we've, we've seen it. Look. Good, good yeah. job, Dr. Murumbili. You got that one right on the head, right off the hop. So that's mm. good. So, oh, yeah. So back to our tweets. We're on a tweet fest here. We don't actually have any direct tweets from listeners yet because we're just starting. So um, the other thing that, uh, oh, um, Sam Walsh from Rio was on, and he was just talking about uh, how awesome Rio is. That This is basically what he was talking about on Bloomberg. He's like, we were ahead of the curve, and to their credit, they have not cut dividends as much as anyone else, and they have more cash, and they're actually looking, despite the fact they're like, have a bunch of iron ore, which is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> but they, they, they claim they were ahead of the curve and they're doing really well. And yes, he was saying that they like copper and they're looking for for uh, for maybe to get a little bit more copper exposure. And so we have uh, this. This tweet is directly from Rio. Tito. Okay, yeah. what does it yeah, say? This comes directly to you from Rio Tito. Um, our <laughs> actions have got us back on track and made us much stronger. And they cited that they have one of the strongest balance sheets in the industry. So go Rio. Well done. Yeah, well done. Well done. And then on the other side, um, I think Trish covered, uh, Trish Saywell covered this. I believe, was she the one who did South 42 or South 32, the real angle spin out? I think mm. she was. Sorry, Trish, if I'm wrong, but we did cover that uh, in this week's edition. So if you'd like some in-depth on that, please do take a look. Um, but uh, they did a huge write-down, um, the exact value of which I believe is in our newspaper. One sec here. Will I? Uh, okay, here it is. It was Trish, um, and it is on page 14. 1.7 billion. 1.7 billion. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with coal. So this was another tweet from uh, BMI Research that uh, South Africa coal assets, big write-down, expect more job losses and production cuts, uh, uh. which is bad. And then in, in pursuant to... Uh, Rio, uh, Mark Kudafani, uh, CEO of Anglo, was, or pursuant to Anglo, not Rio, uh, was was on Bloomberg TV as well. Um, and he was pretty much giving a big talk about how they have to cut back to their core. So they were just talking about diamonds and right. and, and really just their core assets and um, how they need to, you know, as with a lot of people in the business, cut back to really, really, you know, the tier one sort of money-making type assets and so he was on uh, fun little interviews on Bloomberg all the guys it must be promotion time or something everybody seems to be on TV you know just just to go on a little bit of a side rant Mm -hmm. with these tier one deposits yeah I I, it's just it always kind of surprises me I understand how everyone just wants to have like the biggest and baddest gold deposit or copper deposit Mm -hmm. copper is one thing gold is another you know just even to get back to the Rubicon thing, it seems like for me a lot of gold miners are on the pressure to find these tier one assets. But I mean, it's really difficult, especially with any sheer hosted gold systems, origenic gold system, mm-hmm. to define 10 million ounces, which would make it a, a world class, a class one, an elephant, right? right? An elephant. Yeah. It's really difficult for these companies to to define that. Yeah. Um, because yeah. depth constraints, obviously, you're going to have to put in underground portals. You're going to have to do this in order to actually access deeper parts, in order to generate that 10 million ounces to make it a tier one deposit. So, I mean, with these gold miners, um, when they're shopping around, yeah. I, I wonder what, what their criteria is oh, because... I can, I, can, I can almost tell you. Because uh, like, like I'm sure they're looking at geology, infinitely important in this Obviously, business. very. Obviously, yeah, super yeah. important. All anyone, like, 
when they say tier one assets, and especially at the level where you're talking about Rio, is that they're just looking at does it generate cash and will it generate cash? Mm-hmm. Especially if it generates cash at sub three dollar copper. Okay. I'd say in, in the copper space, that's a, a tier one asset. I mean, and there's very few of them, right? Yeah, now, that's right? a bit of a vague, vague definition. Well, you know, it, it, well, I'm, I'm also speaking specifically about gold. Yeah. Too. Well, about gold, yeah. And I mean, from because it's trickier thing, to define you know, than a big bulk tonnage. Like if you look free. at like we talked about Barrick earlier. Mm. But I think even now the, the that criteria stretches into the gold space where it's very much a cash flow margin oriented business. Because I was reading, um, oh, where was I reading this? Uh, something on, on New Gold's Rainy River. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, I never read that. And the f- I think, well, they just had their... Uh, there were annual annual results. Oh, they did. I, I have, think I have uh, to take a closer look at them. Either this week, or I think maybe it was even yesterday. Or it was. Day. It was yesterday. I think it was, or, or either yesterday or Tuesday after. Yeah. Close. But oh. anyway, uh, anyways, odds and ends here. But um, they have Rainy River under development. And Rainy yeah. River doesn't have a particularly good internal rate of return at current gold prices. But they've been, they've well, they've it spent enough of the capex now where mm-hmm. it's almost not. Really, unless they have a capex blow, it's not much of a concern, really, and it will actually generate cash flow. So at this point, it actually looks like yeah. But that, a that, that's the problem with a lot of miners is that, especially in the past boom cycle, they focused all their energies on boosting up that NPV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this I, and they still do. I mean, I, I've heard I've interviewed guys recently who they're like, "Well, we've drilled this thing off," but and these are engineers, I believe, not, oh. not geologists, so uh, who are talking about they've. They have a deposit in in a looser category, say inferred, and they're like, "Well, now we need to we need to really f- decide where we're going to drill to maximize the NPV on the grade distribution." So it's like they want to like. So you're going to drill like you're going to mine little pieces of tiny little. This is underground, of obviously. Not gold. Not, not yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, diluting it. I think people are still. You're diluting it for your. People um, are still looking at. It. I mean, it's funny how you have different different metrics people use to so many metrics out there now and everyone's getting really projects. fancy especially in the past yeah. 10 years you know the little desktop studies now that we have yeah. now, now that we have computers and we well, have the databases the we always we always we people always sitting talk around about is uh is a rubicon because you did a look in this what happened with phoenix to a degree yeah right? totally and I then could talk and about then, that forever and, and then <laughs> we always get into 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 predium because we do we, yeah, we kind yeah, yeah. of we, we okay so f- for the record it's really funny we i have little office cubicles here at the yeah, northern minor yeah. um at around fifth and yukon uh, south of of the cambi bridge and and matt and i often get into the rubicon and and, and pre- predium talks yeah, and yeah. we have big gabs about it it's well, kind of funny in our office too because like in it's, our office it's a big, open uh, cubicles it, but but toronto too we get we get emails from the writers in Toronto too. Because oh yeah, It's yeah. such an like a big topic right now. Yeah. So tell us, too. tell us more, Matt. Well, you you could speak more on the Rubicon side. I mean, you know where I stand on that is that oh gosh, know, don't yeah. don't advance a deposit when you have an inferred resource when it's that nature of yes a gold deposit in Red Lake uh, and also you know I think that the the message would be for um, the Rubicon story is is exactly like you said. Yeah. When you have an inferred resource, um, you know, always, always go into it with your own due diligence. Um, in this particular case with Rubicon was that they had an indicated resource. And the definition of an indicated resource is that there's a reasonable amount of information or of confidence in order for you to uh, assume that those, that there's that quantity of gold in the ground that would be economic so a re- reasonable data and the word reasonable is always construed in, in um 
I don't know, in technical talk, it's this big gray area, and it's kind of funny. For you mean 43101? For, for anything, really. It's, yeah. like, reasonable. I mean, if you ever go into any sort of lawsuit, it's always because they're bickering over the word reasonable. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's true. It's kind of shocking. And, and in this particular case, they had an indicated resource, which means to me, yeah, you know, six, they had, what, 4 million ounces of gold within um, indicated. So, hey, you know, um, you, that you, makes you, sense. But then all of a sudden they turned around and, sorry, they, they turned around and they came out and they did remodeling and found that it went down to 400,000. Yeah. And in my opinion, um, as a geologist, not a professional geologist, because I never did get my um, PGO. PGO, I was spending t far too long in Australia. PGO. To me, that, that just clearly demonstrates that there wasn't reasonable confidence you talked to some <laughs> at of the, the beginning. You, you, you talked to some of the people on the modeling side, though. Yeah, modeling yeah. Side, right? I speak, and I've worked with modelers before. Yes. I've worked yeah. in gold deposits. What did, what, but you did an article on that, what was it, a month ago, it, I guess? I or? did. I was speaking to... Um, a gentleman from SRK. Yeah. Uh, and this and not in, in direct reference to Rubicon. Obviously. Definitely. I Yeah, like yeah. I, I I was trying to speak about uh, Rubicon, yeah, obviously, they but they that. wouldn't comment because uh, SRK w were the ones that did the 2000 and um, the, the most recent report. Oh, okay. The most recent resource drawn yeah. for the Phoenix mine before yeah. they went into production oh, okay. was done by SRK. What, I have to read that again. That was a while ago. What did he say? Um, he, well, we were just having a bit of a gab on yeah. resource models and, and how confident, like how good we've, how far we've come with our resource models today Yeah, and how there's a lot more good news that you don't hear about than the bad news. So, cause we were talking about Rubicon. He's like, well, don't forget, there's a lot of good news out there that people just don't hear about. And that's true, but we're going to have a really interesting article put out in the paper, um, I think next week that talks about some of the deficiencies with resource modeling from a structural geologist's point of view oh. um, from Australia. Yeah, oh, it's really, really, really interesting. And so it's, he, he's, he's putting an article in himself. Yeah, apparently he read the SRK resource model article oh, nice. and he was inspired to follow up and, and explain um, a little bit more technically why you you really can't model certain deposits in a certain way. It's not the guy Pretium just hired, is it? No, no. I, I was laughing because <laughs> no. this is the thing we were talking about in terms of Pretium. Oh, you know, right. I was laughing, you know, because because the automatic response to to one one deposit like that occurring is for the you know the herd mentality to be like, oh my god, these guys are kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Is their resource model gonna screw up? Like up or something yeah and so so we've got a lot we've got a lot of questions from we got everybody lot of, about yeah. about value kings so okay yeah but you know we got to remember yeah. the fundamental differences between rubicon phoenix and predium is yeah. is um well notably so i think uh predium has gone through two feasibility studies yeah. ready yeah um uh, and, and they have reserves and they have reserves yeah. and then and they've also drilled their deposit down to even down to like seven meters in places and 10 they have the meters. bulk sample which there was a little bit of uh not quite like that that was a bit of a weird situation back then i wasn't around for it i was yeah. overseas but yeah. i i was talking to some people here about it you know snowden and then the yeah. other guys yeah. um did a bulk sample but they both did it in different ways like uh one of the groups did like this four splitter sample and then backed out of it halfway through saying we they didn't get the ounces that they were expecting therefore yeah this is a no-go project for them, whereas the other guys are like, oh, well, we just like processed the whole thing and we got more than we expected, so we're happy. And yeah. so they're the ones that kind of approved it. But, I mean, that's a different story altogether. Yeah. At the end of the day, with Phoenix, is that they did their resource model um, based on, and th they did their economic analysis on a PEA, 
at 50 meter spacings. Yeah, yeah. And not, not yeah. only that, but the, the drill holes, like they were drilling down the axes of um, the the shoots of mineralization. So yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that, that, that's the overarching kind very, of story we're trying we're telling here. Yeah, is that, is that you can't just hop on and say because these are you very can't. different deposits. Very, right? and, and they're also geologically different. Yeah, so yeah. there's um like Pretium is more of a stock work, mm -hmm. and then these other guys, um, Phoenix is a little bit more like Abitibi, Abitibi yeah. sort of yeah. deposit. So again, different structural styles. And I mean, I know the geos at um, Pretium, and I know yeah. a lot of them that are working there. Brilliant geos. They have taken their pick of the pro the crop of, of good unemployed geologists and <laughs> gave them a new home. Yeah. So they're doing. They seem to be doing everything right. But at the end of the day, I will be talking to Pradyam about this. We're we're actually making um, getting together for an interview pretty soon, just to talk about the resource fundamentals when it comes to modeling, good, um, good. in order to answer any of those questions that are still floating out there. And ask them for me why their COO left. Yeah, <laughs> I will. And if, if and that's if, the one thing I was like reading this news release, I'm like, that's a bit odd. Yeah, like yeah. I, I you mean, never know. It doesn't mean know. anything. It doesn't, but it's uh, in, yeah. in in and of itself. But yeah. I mean, it's just a funny thing. Uh, you're building a mine, and the guy who was in charge of building it left. Yeah, it's, well, it's like Moffat when he left Freeport. You know, yeah. why did he leave? And there's there's you know some talk about why, but realistically, it could be absolutely yeah. nothing relevant. Yeah. But yeah, no, I will. And if anybody out there is listening and they want to ask a specific question to Pretty yes. about their resource model, I mean, you just shoot me an email or give me a tweet, and um, I'll be sure to look into that for you. Please do. And also, uh, a few other things uh, we have coming down the pipe. Um, we have a well, it's a fairly big copper earning uh, earnings week. We'll be paying attention. I mean. Believe First Quantum is is releasing them after market Thursday, so we'll be taking Ooh. a look at that. Yeah, I'm interested in their balance sheet as well. Me and what's too. What's going on with Cobra Panama? I want to know too. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, you just did a little bit of a uranium roundup, but uh, we'll be looking at Fission's latest drill results. They just released. Uh, <coughs> have a interview with Ross McElroy. I've been meaning to uh, put together, so we'll have that coming down the pipe. Hmm. Um, and our absolutely massive giant. We work all night on PDAC issues. It's coming out soon, so everybody can pay attention. We're to stockpiling around. stories right now. I oh think. Oh my gosh, it is. It is. Uh, I've got. I've got a ton of stories. Yeah. It is trench warfare journalism. <laughs> right um, can we put little sounds in the back? We can put some bombs. In the back. <laughs> uh, but I think that is all the time we have for this week. So thank yeah. you all for joining us. Uh, first podcast. First podcast. Brand new. Yes, and so hopefully people actually listen to this, or else. Well, I'll keep. I'll doing, listen we'll, to we'll it. Keep doing it anyway. Yeah. I don't know, my mom will listen. Um, but, uh, yeah, what about so, your dad? Uh, I don't know. He's a bit of a tougher nut to crack. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, I'm Matthew Keeble. And I'm Leslie Stokes. And thanks for listening to the Lord Podcast. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.